Well, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Arise today. Man, no matter where you're joining with us from in the world, great to have you with us. Excited that you're joining with us for church today. We're excited about all that God is doing, praying for everybody that's in countries throughout the world, being impacted by COVID, praying that with the release of these vaccines, we start to move out of lockdowns and move into more freedom again that's in our world. But I'm just praying that you're gonna know God's closeness no matter what's going on in your life. For all of our Aotearoa family, big welcome to you no matter where you are in New Zealand. Man, we're praying for God to move in your life. Big groups of people joining with us from all over the nation right now. And a big welcome to you. It's exciting. Absolutely. And it's so wonderful to begin this Christmas build-up and begin to turn our focus onto Jesus. Because the truth is that while we're lonely or isolated, sometimes our lives drift. And what we need is to come back to the core reason for our existence, which is found in Jesus Christ. And I don't think ever before has it been more important or more needed to focus on Jesus in this Christmas season. And so our prayer for you is that as this December rolls out, that as the Christmas lights sparkle, you'd remember the light of the world that's come into our hearts and changed our lives because His love, His love, and His nearness is what holds us steady in every season of life. And so our prayer is that you'd know His closeness. And I, I pray that you are too blessed to get stressed in this season. I, I don't know about you, I'm getting a little stressed about all the Instagram photos of Christmas trees, because true confessions, I haven't had time to put mine up yet, so I'm feeling like a bit of a failure. But at the same time, I know that if Jesus is central, the tree will eventually get up, but we are just too blessed to get stressed. So don't let any Christmas prayer to get to you, but just keep your central focus on Jesus as we turn our eyes to Him in this season. We probably need to own my part in that because yes. you need me to carry the tree to the lounge. Well, it's and true. Honest, yeah, yeah. And we, you were asking me to do that the last two nights in a row. So. We upgraded the yeah. tree to a bigger tree, but the problem is I can't lift it anymore. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not a one woman job hey, anymore. Listen, we've got a 14 year old son who's taller than me. Get him to lift it. He, he's got some this muscles. This is true. This is true. Well, today we have an an amazing preacher coming to minister to us today. The brilliant, the talented, the beautiful Pastor Annie Cameron. Brent and Annie are our executive pastors here at Arise, run so much. In fact, everything that we do really across all of our locations, across all of our key programs that we do with everything that is Arise. Annie is a brilliant preacher of God's Word, an incredible leader, amazing team builder, a true woman of God. She's raised three incredible children. She preaches often across all of our different Arise locations. We are tremendously blessed by every message that she ever brings. And I know today you're about to hear a word from God from a woman of God. So it's our Arise way, but wherever you are, every local, wherever you are online, why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, even in your lounge room right now. And let's give Pastor Annie a massive welcome as she comes to minister. Well, this morning, I am so excited to come and to share the Word with you. And the title of my message this morning is Happily Discontent. Happily Discontent. And this morning, I've come to share a little piece of my own personal revelation this year. And all year, I have been doing my Bible plan. And all year, I have been returning to this one story. And this year, God has spoken to me over and over again from this piece of Scripture. And I want you to press in. God has done a work in my life through this 
piece of scripture. And I'm praying this morning that we wouldn't just kind of go through the motions of church. We came to meet with God. We came to have our lives transformed and from the front to the back, from the left to the right. I'm praying that God would stir your heart in this place this morning. And so we're going to read from 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read verse 8 to 10 this morning. And this is a powerful story for every one of us. So 2 Kings 4, 8 to 10. And it says this, One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. You can underline urged. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way as a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. And then he can, and then he can stay there wherein, wherever he comes to us. The story, this is said in a moment in history where Israel is in this great, great dark piece of time in history. There is idolatry, there is slavery, there is greed. And the prophet Elisha, he is traveling, he's declaring God's word. He is challenging injustice. He sees miracles. He is part of God's answer, his voice in this generation, this moment. And this woman, the, the central character of our story this morning, the, the Shunammite woman, she, she lives upon the, the area where he travels quite often. And the Bible describes this woman as Kadol. She is powerful. Uh, she is wealthy. And my friends, she's a great picture for us in our modern Western world. This is a woman who is well-to-do. I've never been described as well-to-do. She is well-to-do. She does not come with financial lack. She is not without means. She is not of low status in her society. And in fact, in the story, it's the story of the woman before her husband. It's not often that you read the woman and her husband. One time, my husband and I, Brent, we were in the newspaper, and they said, Pastor Annie Cameron and her husband, dot, dot, dot. That was an unusual turn of phrase for us here today. She is not weak in her society. She has means to add a room, to provide meals. She is hospitable. She is blessed. She is persuasive though. She is, urges him to come to her home. But my friends, this morning, she is also not without need. She is a woman who's come and she does not have children as of yet. Now, I want to encourage you this morning that one of the key little phrases in the scripture is she urged him to stay for a meal. Now, it's Christmas time. How good. Joy to the world. How good is it? Hope you've got your Christmas tree up. Hope, hope you, I mean, this year of all years, it's like we should next level Christmas, right? We should, you know, go out, get some new fairy lights. Just get that house glowing. Be those people in your neighborhood. Also, don't get the white ones. This is not the year for nice, pretty things. This is the year for those like reindeers on your lawn and like a, a sleigh on your roof and like just go, just go, just go Christmas. Like Chris Christmas, he's got nothing like on you in your house this year. But this woman, she urges him to stay for a room. And my friends, this Christmas, who are you urging into your home? I urge my children to clean their rooms. I urge them 
to pick up their laundry. I urge them to do the dishes. I don't generally urge people to come to my house. Ray and Emma, come to my house for dinner. Like when you see urge, you see like a powerful level of invitation. But a few weeks ago, we had a family over for um, a meal at our home. And uh, they've been in New Zealand for about seven years. Their names are Prince and Aksha. And it was the best dinner. They brought curry. They brought like all the amazing fruit of India and we put on the best kiwi barbecue you have ever seen. And together we took those and we just ate and ate and ate. But as we sat at our table, they reminded us that what it was like for them seven years earlier that first Christmas when the church was the family, when they had not a friend, not a family member in our country. Who's gonna sit at your table? Who are you gonna urge in to community as part of this church? Come on. If you're like me, born and bred here, you can sit in your little family group in our nice little Christmas setup with a nice little pack of eight Christmas crackers, pop, Come on, why don't you get a trestle table? Why don't you take it next level? Why don't you invite the neighbors over and urge someone to be a part of your world? But here we go in the story, the Shunammite woman, her urging meant that whenever the man of God came past her house, he came to her house. And I love that this morning, that when you take a little step, it will snowball into a bigger step today. This, this, this husband and wife, they have a talk, they build a room, and this well-to-do well woman, the story says that she urges, she urges, not an invitation, but she urges. You know, the Old Testament points to the New Testament. The Old Testament stories point to the story of Jesus, and can I ask you today, when was the last time you urged Jesus into your world? when you urge the presence of God to come close to you, when you urge him to be right here close and impersonal, when was the last time you got up early or you stayed up late? When was the time you went from underarm to overarm in the worship and said, God, here I am in this room. Come on this morning, our God, he wants to meet with every person. What I love about this story is that they build this room, a simple room, but it's a room at cost. They add into their life space for the man of God to come past. And would you write this down this morning? Sacrifice is our start point. Sacrifice is our start point. Sacrifice is the hallmark of our faith. The story of Jesus is a story of sacrifice of a father sacrificing his son, of a son going to the cross and the greatest act of sacrifice. And my friends, Christianity is birthed from that place. And for each one of us in this room, our God asks of us to live a life of sacrifice, that we would come with a sacrifice of worship, a sacrifice of praise, a life that would be sacrificial for the cause of Christ. Romans 12 verse 1, it says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When you come to my house and you stay, you're gonna see me in my dressing gown. You're gonna see me in my Ugg boots. You're gonna see up close and personal. 
If you stay for a few days, you're going to get a really nice meal on the first night, and then you're going to get real life like lasagna and nachos and then another meat meal, you know, all in a row, right? You're going to see the real intimate reality, and that is what our God wants from us, to be up close and personal. Let's continue to read because this is quite some story, and we're going to continue in verse 11. One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there, and he said to his servant, Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king of the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my own people. And what can be done for her? Elisha, she uh, Sorry, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. And this, about this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. This story, it gets me so good. I want you to see this little picture, because here's the man of God, here's Gehazi, and here's the woman. Now, in this little portion of Scripture, the man of God never speaks directly to the woman. There's always Gehazi in the middle. You know, when I think of this, I think about when I'm standing at my kitchen sink and I want a child to come, and I'm not able to walk myself up the stairs. That would be ridiculous. So I ask another child to get another child. But what happens is I say, can you get sibling? No names today. Can you get sibling? Sibling then yells to the bottom of the stairs. Kid at the bottom of the stairs then yells to the top of the stairs, and then child appears. No one is able to move in every, any part of the story. But there is communication that goes via a few. Like, any mums in the room? Like, guys, if I wanted to yell, I would have just used these God-given lungs to yell myself. But here's this woman. And we can learn so much from her today. Because she comes and uh, Elisha is asking, what does she need? And she says, no, no, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need you to do anything. But then he asks Gehazi again, and then Gehazi says, well, she actually doesn't have a son, and her husband is old. And then in the response, well, we see the woman's dream unlocked, don't we? Because what? Really? Say it. No, don't say it. Oh, my gosh. It's like a, you know, a compliment kind of back and forth. <laughs> But here's the thing. Firstly, she is happy. She has peace. She, has, she is content. But over here, she is discontent. She is happily discontent. She is here with peace, but there is still room for a dream to unfold. She has peace in her heart, but she is happily discontent. In our life, we have to stop and see that there is an A and a B. 
that when the world goes crazy around us, thank you, 2020, when the things that we wanted don't play out, that we can still have peace in our hearts, that we can still be content, and in the get-go, we can live our life from a place where we know our God is real, our God is able, and no matter what comes, I'm gonna be okay. But we can come over here and say, God, there's still more. I still want something fresh in my life. I've still got a dream in my heart for you to do something. Some of us have dreams that we've locked away out of frustration. Some of us won't whisper the dream anymore. Some of us haven't found contentment, but we've found bitterness. And God is calling us out of that place to a place where we have peace, where we are happily discontent. God hasn't finished with you, my friend. God is coming to unlock something fresh and new for you in this moment. There are people in this room and you have dipped your head this year. You have said this is the finish of the dream. And our God comes to say, lift your head, go again, because he has something new for you from a place of peace and contentment. This story, because Elisha, Elisha asks, and then he asks again, and have you ever thought that there's someone out there who is going to go on your behalf? You know there's a leader, a life group leader who is seeing your situation, who is praying. Do you know that there's a pastor or somebody, a mom or a dad, there is somebody who is right there saying, you know what, pick them, pick them. You don't need to strive anymore. You don't need to worry that God isn't moving. Our God is able and our God will come to you from a place of peace. My friends, find that space where you are happily discontent. That place where you have peace in your heart, but you have a big dream to unfold. Let's keep reading, because again, what a story. 2 Kings 4, verse 18, and it says this, the child grew, and one day, one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head, and his father told a servant, carry him to his mother, And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. I mean, I've I've read this, and I just want to be transparent. I've been ticked off, because I'd like the story to finish and move to a new story, just when she has the bubba, right? That would be a good story. But it says that this woman, she went up, She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then she shut the door and went out. She shut the door and she went out. She shut the door and she went out. Well, what's that all about? Well, in this story, what we see is this woman, she's had a dream unfold, but the life of the dream has ebbed out. I reckon in this room that there's people and you had a dream and you thought, it's going to be good and you could see it unfolding. It looked like it was going and, oh, here we go. And then the dream, the life ebbed out of the dream. 
But the bravest thing this woman does in the story is that she takes this dream, this baby, this child now, and she takes that dream to this room, and she puts it there in this miracle room, and then in that miracle room, she walks out and she shuts the door. Now, what's that about, shuts the door? Well, now, now the burden is not in her hands anymore. Now the burden is here in a room where God can move. Now she's taken this heavy weight and she's put it out there so that God can come and do what only God can do. You see, this woman now in the next part of the story, she's gonna go on a journey to find the man of God. But we all understand that she's gonna go on this journey and carrying this poor dead child in her arms, the journey's not really gonna be possible. The journey's gonna be more difficult. But this woman understands that if she leaves this burden here and she gets on that donkey and she pursues the man of God, that there are answers there. Oh, there are dreams in here that have gone to the, they have not passed, they have not come. They, they have been dreamed and maybe they have died in your hands. But God says, put them down today and allow his work to happen. That is what the presence of God is all about. When that woman shut the door, she's saying, it's not my job. I, I, I'm not the miracle worker, you're the miracle worker. I, it's in my hands, it's just a dead dream. But in your hands, you are able to do something. If I carry the burden, nothing is gonna change. But in the realm of God, miracles are possible. In this room today, put it down. Stop holding on to the things of the past so that you can pick up something new. There are miracles that we hold on to. Uh, personal dreams, family dreams, dreams for people around us. Sometimes they are so close and we celebrate them, but sometimes we have to let them go. John 12 verse 24, it says, For truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This Shunammite woman, she takes that son, her dream, her desire, she shuts the door. The outcome, my friend, is not the answer. Pursuing God is. The outcome is not the answer. Pursuing God is. No matter the state of the dream, give it over to God. About a thousand years ago when I was newly married. Um, true story, this is the first time I'm preaching with my large print Bible. Amazing, I know. Also found a gray last week on my 45th birthday, but bless. Anyway, back to the story. But many, many, many years ago, Brent and I were just a young couple in church and we noticed that we didn't have an intermediates program. And we were pumped. We went to our pastors, we said, we think we would be really good at running this. We were full of confidence, we were full of dreams. And about two weeks later, he announced another young couple in our church as the leaders and offered us the great opportunity of being on the team. Ouch, exactly, ouch. You ever had a dream, could see it so clearly, 
And then you're like, there goes the dream. What we did in that next season is, well, we let it fall to the ground, a single seed. And then we've seen what God has done. We chose to join the team. We served actually our best friends at the time. And we just turned up and we played lots of games with eggs. There was always games with eggs. I don't know, always eggs, always a lot of mess. But we learned to serve in that season. And these days we serve our lead pastors, Pastor John and Gillian. And I believe that what we sowed in that season is what we reap in this season. So don't you think that when a dream falls to the ground that God has done, he has something fresh and new for you. The outcome is not the answer. Pursuing God is. Now let's remember today that Elisha is a picture to us of the Old Testament is full of types and symbols, full of examples that point us to Jesus. And this story is the same. Because the well-to-do woman, let's, let's read together from verse 22. It says, she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't, don't slow me down. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to the servant Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Listen to her answer. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet, and Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you? Don't raise my hopes. But Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. Now here is where it all gets really real. Because if I was to put myself in this story, everything is all right? Mm -hmm. No, sir. (laughs) This is honestly, what are you even thinking? You have your dream child at home in a room with the door shut, but everything is all right. But what do we learn from this woman? Here she comes. No longer will she talk to Gehazi about what she needs. No, she's going straight to the man of God, straight to the picture of Jesus, straight to the feet of someone who has the answers. Our God is not looking for us to dilly-dally around with our stuff. No, he wants us to get on the donkey. He wants us to get all the way to a place where we can lay it down, all our distress, all our bitterness, and see what our God will do. Everything is all right. She is happily discontent. I read a story this year of an old song. And the song was written by someone called Horatio Spafford. And I'm suggesting Emma, great name for a baby, Horatio. 
1871, there was a great fire in Chicago, and Horatio was a very wealthy man. He had the works burger. He had a beautiful wife. He had five kids. He had money. Everything was great. But in that great fire, he lost all his possessions. He lost all his business. Now, this man was a friend of D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody said to him, come to England, come and be a part of this crusade. Come, come, come. And so he thought, I'm gonna finish up the business, I'm gonna see my wife and my kids first, and then I'm gonna meet them, and we're gonna be a part of this great move of God. And so he stayed in America, and seen his family. There was a shipwreck, and only his wife and one daughter remained. He got on a ship and went straight from that place and said, I need to be with my wife and my remaining child. And as he was traveling across the ocean, the captain of the ship said to him, this is the place where the ship went down. And he, in the middle of his greatest loss, where everything was so challenging and so hard, grief-stricken, he went into the bottom of the ship and he wrote a song. And the song is called, It Is Well. And the lyrics go like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. This lyric comes from this scripture. And my friend, remember happily discontent? Here's a man who in every circumstance has found his peace. Is the dream for his future over? No, but he is happily discontent. Today, Elisha means God is salvation. Jesus means Yahweh will save. And today, in this room, everything is okay. No matter what you face, no matter what's going on, you can have peace in your heart and you can have a God who loves and know you and you can still have a dream. My friend, today the outcome is not the answer, but pursuing our great God is. And for each one of us in this room, we must be willing to come to Him, to lay it down and say, here I am. The outcome is not the answer, pursuing God is. But listen, the woman arrives to Elisha. She falls at his feet. She has not forgotten her dream. She does not stop with Gehazi, but she takes her despair, her grief, her ask boldly to the feet of the person who has the answers. My friend, you belong at the feet of Jesus. You belong in moments where he captures all your attention and you take that distress, that grief, the challenges of 2020 and the past and you hand them over to him. Who is gonna walk with you? Jesus. Who is gonna be right there in the middle of it all? Jesus. Fascinating in the story is how we close it out and the team are gonna come and join me this morning but let's read the end of this powerful piece of scripture. It says this in verse 29, Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. 
But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives, as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. My friend, in the middle of your distress, in the middle of when the dream feels like it's broken, do not leave Jesus. Do not take your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith. Allow him to be right there in the middle of it all. Gehazi went on ahead and he laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elijah and told him the boy has not awakened. Now watch this here. When Elijah reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in and he shut the door. She still stayed out. She still gave him control. He went in and he shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. So already he's laid his staff through Gehazi. Now he's prayed to the Lord. He went in, he shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and he lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And as he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. But Elisha turned away. He did something more. And Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. There's five parts to this story. And the boy sneezed seven times, the sweetest, the sweetest sneezes someone's probably ever heard in all of history. And he opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did, and when she came in, he said, take your son. But she came in, fell at the feet fell at the feet and bowed to the ground and then she took her son and went out. Five times, five things, five parts to a miracle. And this morning, you might be in this room and you might think, oh, I already tried. Well, did you try again and again and again? Did you go again and again and again? Because this morning in this room, our God is not done. Our God is in this space here to cause us to go again five times. This is the man of God. This is the man of God. Here he is, the man of God, the miracle, the miracle guy. And he's gotta do five parts to the miracle. Well, what about us? Oh, can't pray for you because I prayed for someone already and it, nothing happened, so, so, so sorry about that. Oh, sorry, friend, can't invite you to church because I invited my other friend and they didn't want to come, so clearly, that's it. Oh, oh, had a dream to make a difference in my community, yeah. Went, went to one meeting, made one suggestion, yeah. That's it then. Planted a campus in the central city of Wellington one time. Saw a lot of stuff happen. What are we gonna see in February? Are we gonna see something fresh in the miracle room that God has for us in the city of Wellington? What about here in the heart? What about when we pull apart these two campuses? Are we gonna go again? 
Because our God is calling us like, just like a man of God who would say, oh, there's still more room for a miracle. Oh, there's still more life to come in that body. Oh, there's more people to be seen and to be saved. There's more miracles to happen. Come on, we gotta get up. We gotta get up. We gotta get up and say, here I am, God. Let's go again. My friend, this morning, when you succeed, go again. When you've made a difference, go again. When you're low, when you're low and wondering 2021, what what are you? Go again. When you fail, go again. When you pray, go again. Come on, bring all, all that you are and say, God, I am gonna take my future and I am gonna go and I am gonna go again and I'm gonna keep going until the dream Would you see yourself in the Shunammite woman? Would you fall at the feet of Jesus? Would you bring a sacrifice? Would you come and would you allow our great God to minister to you, to take the distress? Would you hand over what has gone so that you can pick up something new and alive? And would you come this morning and would you pursue God with everything? Would you grab a hold in your heart that everything is all right? This morning, could we be happily discontent?